UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Oh. Let me hit record, and mm-hmm. this is going to be fun, and hopefully it lets me do my intro. I, it's, it's, it's slow sometimes. Okay, let me yeah, you're this. I can always get it. I don't know why this isn't working. Like, it sh- oh, here it goes. I'll just edit that out. I feel like you're frozen. Another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have with me an amazing, uh, fascinating guest today. Back with, or no, this is her first time on my show. She's an experiencer and she's a musician. She's an indie slash alternative musician and she's a ET experiencer. Her name is Persephone May Hallway and she was, um, uh, referred to me by um, Fiona Harris, who's, you know, been on my show. Fiona's done regressions on me and she, she's an experiencer herself. So, um, you know, that's how that got set up. So I'm really excited to talk to her and find out about her, um, her experiences. Persephone, uh, thank you for joining me. How are you? Thanks. No, it's great to be here. I'm, uh, I'm really happy to be here. I'm excited to talk about things and get things out in the open finally after, you know, years of not talking about them. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, how did it all, all start for you? Like, when did you first start realizing you were having some kind of experiences? So I always knew that, like, weird things happened, like paranormal kind of things. Like, high strangeness and I are not unfamiliar with each other. I kind of grew up with a lot of weird things that would happen. And my family saw it, too. But the, the general attitude was kind of like something weird would happen. We'd all look and be like, oh, that's weird, and just keep going because it was just such a normal thing. Um, what was it, though? What was happening? Was it, like, ghosts, would you say, yeah, or, like, like, shadow people? Like, I'd say, like, poltergeist activity, like, strange, like, things would move, like, we'd all see it move, or, like, you'd hear sounds, or, like, like one time, like, somebody played my harp, like, in the other room, and there was nobody there. Like, just, like, weird things where we're like, what is going on, you know? Um, but I always just assumed I lived in a haunted house. That's kind of what kids kind of tell each other. Um, and then I had an episode of Missing Time in 1997, and the kind of, I guess, result from that was for years, I knew that I had missing time, but I never knew like what happened during it. And I didn't know that there was a way to, I guess, explore that or look into it. Um, and it wasn't until pretty much this year, like like late 2022 to early 2023, that I started to re- like find out that hypnotic regression was like a thing, hypnotherapy. And I was like, oh, this might work to try and uncover what I didn't know, you know. 
what 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 have you been able to uncover so far? Like, what have you been been able to kind of piece together? Like, as far as like what's going on? Do you think you're having experiences with what we would call grays or? So I don't like to uh, define the things that I'm encountering. I mean, for sure there's grays involved. For sure there's something that's some kind of mantid-like being. Um, and then my entity that I don't know what he is, um, but I'm always very hesitant to assume immediately extraterrestrial only because I'm not sure what I believe. I don't know if they're interdimensional or like, you know, I, I just don't like to assign something until I know for sure. And since he hasn't straight out told me I'm blank type of creature, it's like, I, I'm not going to place a label on him yet, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Well, what, what, how did the experiences start? Do you, do you, how far back do they go? So, um, with Fiona, interestingly enough, she actually found one from when I was like, I want to say like still in the crib. Like I've apparently had things that far back, which I didn't like know until we started talking about it. Um, but the, the main one that like I wanted to go over and that we talked about was again, the, the 1997 incidents, because that was kind of like my big question mark of like, what did happen during this time? And what, what happened when, if you, if you can talk about it, what, what went on? So um, do you want me to tell it first how I always remembered it and then how we found out what it was through hypnotherapy? Or yes. That way, that way, that way, here's, here's why I want you to do that because um, that way, uh, people get a better idea of like what they can accomplish in hypnotic regression. Right. So they see it from the raw experience, what you're experiencing. And then like, I was, I think that was a really good idea. Yeah. So uh, the day was a typical, well, that wasn't actually typical. It was a September day in 1997. I don't want to put the date defined yet until I get, we've actually reached out to uh, university of Pennsylvania to try and get weather data to try and match what day it was and i haven't quite pinned it down and as a kid you don't really know dates so uh but we know it's september 1997 it was an unseasonably warm day so you know i was coming home from catholic school so i had my uniform on and everything and it was just really hot and i remember that um and the bus driver chose to stop outside of my neighborhood so to explain my neighborhood it's like a little or my old neighborhood it was like a half circle uh, a median with two one-way streets going opposite ways and then like a circle in the middle. So typically the driver would drive me up around my house, drop me off and then just keep going. That was his route like every single day. But for whatever reason this day, he stopped like way, way like out at the entrance to the neighborhood. And, you know, me being precocious, knowing kid was like, this isn't my stop. And he was like, well, it is today. <laughs> um, and who knows, maybe he had something going on in his life or whatever. But it just it just seems odd that, like, you wouldn't take that extra minute of a drive. Like, it wasn't that far, you know. Um, and he left me right at the entrance to my neighborhood. So I get out of the, the bus and I start walking. And it's a very, like, blue sky, like, clouds, you know, pretty kind of a day. Um, and I get to this median in my neighborhood and this median, um, back then was very overgrown. So there's, there's a lot of trees and bushes in it. So you really don't have a lot of visibility across the street from one side to the other. And the houses themselves were kind of set back. Um, and to give everyone context, this is in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, historic area, a lot of like, you know, civil war significance, revolutionary war significance. It's just a, a lot has happened here. And this neighborhood from everyone that I've talked to over the years has always had a weird reputation, like just people have seen a lot of weird ghosts and things like that. Like that's that's to be expected. I didn't know that as a kid. So I just kind of thought I was the only one experiencing weird things. But it turns out it's pretty well known. Um, and once you hit 
that part of the neighborhood where the trees are, it something about it always just got very like dark and it was always very creepy. So you always would like walk fast through it anyway. Um, and I would say in total from bus stop to my house would have been less than a 10 minute walk just to give everyone some idea here. Um, I hit these trees and it's as if everything went still. And I use that word on purpose. It wasn't like there was no wind, there was no birds, there was no nothing. Like this is a neighborhood that's full of young families with children. It's right after school. It's like 3 p.m. There should have been something like children playing, anything. Like you would have heard something and there was just nothing. The only thing that I could hear was my own footsteps on the asphalt and the crunch of leaves like under my feet. So I was like, well, that's strange. And I'm getting to a point where um, the the median would have opened up again to sky and I'm just about to get to that point and I'm thinking to myself man I should be hearing other kids playing like there should be something and the second I thought that I hear kids playing ring around the rosy but it's not it sounds off like I'm hearing it from not any particular place like it didn't sound like it was coming from anywhere and also my head also told me at that time this isn't kids like I didn't know what I was hearing but I was just like this is not children this isn't human. That's just the thought that I had. And I basically went into panic mode and I felt like something was behind me bearing down on me. And I didn't want to turn my head to look because I had that kid thing where you're like, if I don't look at it, it can't affect me. You know, so that's actually one of my bigger regrets to this day because Fiona, even in regression, was like, did you look? And I was like, no, I, I never saw what was like chasing me, but something was chasing me. And uh, the thought that the child thought that I had, I was really into like Irish mythology at the time as a kid. And so I, the thought I had was Finvara and his host and the unseely court are coming to get me. That was a thought I had. And I was just like running. And so from that point to my house, less than a two minute walk and I was running and I had long legs and I was a fast kid. So like I should have been at my house like really fast. But for my, from my perspective, what happened was I started to run and the next thing I was in my driveway running to my front door and I like, I, there was just a jump. Like, I didn't understand how I got from point A to point B, but I was like, oh, I guess I just like, I don't know, blacked out or what, you know, it was weird. Um, and the sky was like reddish, like there was like a reddish light or a mist around me. And I like, didn't want to look again behind me, like whatever was back there was scary for whatever reason. So I didn't want to turn around and we get... I get to my front door and I'm like knocking to get in. And my mom always kept the door locked. Um, she, my parents are really paranoid and they were always like afraid to like keep the doors unlocked. It was a really safe neighborhood. There was no reason for that, but whatever. Um, so I couldn't get in. So I'm just like banging on the door to be let in and like nobody's coming to the door. And so I guess I just kind of gave up and I sat down. I was just like, all right, whatever. And like a second later, my mom opens up the door and she looks kind of surprised to see me. And she's like, where have you been? You're 45 minutes late. And I was like, what do you mean I'm 45 minutes late? Because in my perspective, I just got off the bus and, you know, just ran away from something. And it should have been like less than 10 minutes. And instead, it's been 45. Um, and it's funny because, I'll, you know, I've talked to my mom about this later. And she's like, I don't, I thought it was less time than that. And I was like, no, mom, it was definitely, you definitely said 45 minutes. <laughs> like, it was a long time. Um, and, you know, sometimes if I came home from school, I would like go in the backyard and play. So I'm assuming she just assumed that and like didn't think anything of it, really. Um, but you know, I probably looked disheveled and upset. But what was weird is she didn't say anything about that. 
And she just kind of let me back in the house and we just went in and we both went on with our night like nothing was wrong, which in and of itself is also kind of strange. Like normally you would think you would address that whole why were you gone for 45 minutes thing? Like I know like, you know, millennial children, we used to run around wild outside a lot, but like parents would still address that if you were gone for that long. So that's that to me was always kind of strange. Um, and the only reason I remembered the incident at all was because for years, whenever my friends and I would talk about paranormal stuff, I would drive them to my old neighborhood and be like, you got to see this crazy neighborhood I used to live in. It's so crazy. Like all this weird stuff happened. And this one time I went missing for 45 minutes. And I would like tell all my new friends this, that like we're into paranormal stuff. So um, that stuck with me for years. And that's kind of why I remembered it. Um, so for the actual, like now we're saying for what happened after hypnotherapy, um, I worked with I worked with two hypnotherapists. The first, I don't have permission to use her name yet. I'm waiting on that, so I'm just I'm not going to mention it. But she's pretty well respected in the field. I found her through the MUFON website, um, and she chose rather than doing a typical uh, regression with me, she gave me two options. And she's like, "Look, I sense that you have a lot of psychic ability. Like, just like she's like, even though we're like on Zoom and it's like really far away, she's like, I, I get this like feeling from you, like an energy. And she's like, so if you want, we could do a regression or not a regression, but we could do a session where we'll open up your natural psychic abilities so that you will remember these, you know, memories in time by yourself. Or we could do a regression and just get this one memory. And she's like, but if there are other memories, the other thing might be more helpful because you could remember more of them. And so I was like, well, I'd rather do the one that would let me remember more because, you know, this might start to snowball here. So I'd like to do the one that's more useful in the long run. Um, so we did that and I started doing basically like long form, like free writes after that of like things that I remembered. And so some things started to come out, but it was still very, very patchy. Like I'm sure you've heard from other experiencers. We remember things in bits and pieces and it's just like little bits, like nothing solid. And I was like, oh, I really want to know more. And then we did an inner child session that was completely unrelated to anything paranormal. It was just supposed to be an inner child healing session that was just like healing your inner child, like totally unrelated to paranormal. Um, and the whole point of it at the end is you give them a gift to like have a connection with them so you can feel rooted. It's like a whole thing. But what was weird was she gave me a gift. And my, you know, my hypnotherapist was actually taken aback. She's like, that's weird. That doesn't normally happen. And I was like, okay. But um, she handed me a ball. And it was a blue ball, like a little like round blue ball, but then it kind of floated up off of her hand. And that was like floodgates opening. And I suddenly had all these other memories. And pretty much as soon as I got off the phone with my hypnotherapist, I was like, oh God, I have to like write this down. And I just started like frantically writing everything down. Um, and then, but still I was missing how I got there and like some other details. So when I met Fiona, and Fiona's, I'd consider her a good friend of mine now. I'm sure you do too. She's, you know, a wonderful person. Um, she was like, I'll do a regression for you if you want, if you really want to get those details. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Because like, for me, I, I need to just like stare at the scene and see what I'm seeing and get as much detail as I possibly can. Um, and so with her regression, then we opened up more. So um, in this case, Go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, what, what did you what did you open up with Fiona? If you could talk about it, like, was yes. it like, I mean, do you remember the beings and stuff like that? Do you remember being taken? Do you remember yes. being on craft or anything like that? Or like, what what all did you were you able to piece together? So, like, okay, here's what I'm trying to say. Were you able to put together where you went for that 45 minutes? Yes, I was absolutely. 
I also was able to remember something that happened prior to that that I think leads into it. So I leave it up to you if you want me to start there and lead into the, the incident or just to yes. that incident. Yeah, yeah we okay. have time. We have an hour. Sure, sure. So. Okay, great, great. So, um, yeah, the the incident that I remembered was I, there was another moment that had happened. And so um, just to explain shortly, I was bullied while I was at the school uh, in fifth, this was fifth grade. You know, I was a year younger than all the other children. I had skipped a grade. Uh, I was a transfer student. I was from out of town. I wore like thick glasses because like I had really bad astigmatism. So like all the things that make you a product of bullying, like, you know, they were all there and, and you know, it just happens. It's what it is. Um, so at this school, I was only there for a short amount of time, which it was very helpful when putting together my timeline because I was like, all right, I, I know I was only there from August to March. So whatever happened had to happen within this time. And I had a memory that I couldn't really fully remember. And I was like, you know, I have another really weird memory where I was on the swing set and like people came to talk to me and they wanted to take me with them and I didn't go with them. And Fiona's like, oh, we got to talk about that one. And I was like, yeah, because I want to know what that is about because that seems weird. Just even by itself, if you take all the paranormal stuff out of it, that situation's a weird situation. So it's like, what what's going on there? Um, yeah. So so what happened was, <laughs> by according to regressions, um, I was in um, on a swing set and the way that back then the playground was set up and of course I, I've called the school since then and like looked at the maps and, and they've built a new gymnasium and a theater so like it's all changed so I couldn't like I wanted to take pictures to be like here's what it looked like no it's not there anymore but the way the playground used to be was there was like a swing set um the asphalt where like kids would play like you know on the asphalt games like hopscotch and stuff uh, a gully and then the well, the actual like slide part of the swings that like there was like, almost like a second set of swings which was swings and a slide like back here and that's where all the bullies were so I never wanted to be back there because that was where they held court so I I pretty much stayed to the asphalt and the other swings, um, but I was all by myself which was also kind of strange there were no chaperones near me they all were with the other kids all the other kids were you know behind me and that in itself is odd because there should have been somebody around like or you know a chaperone would have been like come on come with us we're not going to leave you here by yourself like come play with the other kids like you know they're not just going to leave you by yourself on the other side of the playground from everybody yeah and i'm on and i'm yeah exactly it's like just weird circumstances you know um and i'm on the swings and my you know as you said i'm a musician so my whole thing was i would sing to myself on the swings a lot and my favorite thing to sing to myself was phantom of the opera because that was just me as a kid i was a weird kid that was me um <laughs> and so i'd be sitting there singing it and all of a sudden people were there that's kind of how i remember it was just suddenly there were people there um there was a man at the forefront who was about you know by modern by today's approximations i'd assume he's probably about six two beautiful blonde hair like i remember having that thought of like oh man if he was a girl i'd be really jealous of his hair because it was just like beautiful blonde hair and his eyes were like this startling blue like um i compared him at the time to my mom's favorite actor richard harris because it's like that really like just bright blue except they also almost seem to glow. Like there was a luminosity to them that's like not quite human. But at the time, child me had no reaction or fear of like, you know, oh, what is what is wrong here? Um, and he was very pale, slender, very elegant, you know, hands. Um, he wore a blue, navy blue or royal blue. My memory's a little, you know, fuzzy on that uh, jumpsuit no seams, no buttons, no zippers. This thing was almost like it was like molded to fit his body. He also had a uh, like a golden 
like something on his lapel that I assumed was probably like his name or something or like, you know, company name or something, but I couldn't read it. And I remember trying as a kid to read it. And I was like, I don't recognize those letters. Like it looked like another language, but it also kind of looked a little like geometric. And the only reason I know that is because one of the symbols that stuck with me is an upside down triangle. Um, except it didn't quite look like a triangle. It was weird. And I was like, all right, but that that's like the symbol that stuck with me. It was an upside down triangle. Can I say something? It's probably yeah. hard putting together like these details because like, you know, you're, first of all, you're trying to remember something from your childhood. I can't remember mm -hmm. things from last week. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> and then also these beings, they have like, they probably, who knows what they have. It's almost like, like somebody was trying to explain the afterlife to me the other day and a parapsychologist. And he said, we can't understand the afterlife because there might be different colors there. There might be different this and that. And I was right. thinking with your entity, his, his, uh, his, his lettering or whatever it is, whatever that, that design was that you're trying to remember is probably something that we have no clue what it is. You know what right. I mean? Or, yeah. Or sense. it's their language or, you know, who knows? Yeah. Like, it could be anything. So, or, you know what else I thought too was, you know what? Um, and I know AI art's very controversial, but like when AI art generates lettering, it reminded me of that. Cause it's always really weird glyphs. It's like, what is that? Like, it's just, it's very strange, you know? Um, anyway, yeah. so yeah, there was lettering on it and the upside down triangle. And I was like, oh, this is weird. And um, yeah, he, oh, he had a silver belt, which even in my my childhood diaries, which is a whole nother thing, I wrote, it did something, but like, I don't know what it did. Like I didn't elaborate and I still don't know. So, but just mentally I knew like that does something that's important, but I don't know why. Um, I don't remember if he was wearing shoes. I never got to look down at his feet. And the reason is, is because there were quote unquote children behind him but I couldn't look at them pretty much from the minute that he showed up my eyes were glued to him I could look at his face I could stare into his eyes I could look at his outfit I could look at my own shoes I could not look past him or like like certain below a certain point on his body where these other children were and something in my mind when he walked up said oh he's a teacher which made no sense because didn't look like anything like any teachers that would have been teaching at my Catholic school. You know, they all wore like suits and were very stuffy. So I was like, who is this guy? You know, but in my brain was like, he's a teacher. And I was like, okay, you know, um, no stranger danger, none of that. Like, you know, normally I'm a little, I mean, I'm a pretty, I was always a pretty friendly kid and would talk to anyone, but like, you know, you would still get like stranger danger, not none of that. Um, this guy walked right up to me, kind of did the thing where he leans over on his knees and he talks to me. Now, I do not remember his lips ever moving, ever, but I heard him clearly like he was talking out loud, which but like most likely probably telepathy. Again, it's kind of one of those things. Yeah. Um, interesting to note, his accent was modern RP British, like British newscaster, perfectly like clean, like cut, like very proper, like that was his has always been his accent so that was just interesting i'm um, also like yeah, wait you, did British you say I, i'm so sorry to interrupt you. i was gonna say is, is this the being that you're still having encounters with to this day correct correct wow but this, is the, this is the first time i remember meeting him that's not to say this is the first time i did meet him but it's the first time i distinctly remember meeting him um so and because I, I even told Fiona that I think we actually recorded the regression. So um, at some point I might be releasing clips of it, but like not probably not the whole thing. Some of it's very personal and I want to keep it to me. But like, you know, uh, I probably yeah. will release this part anyway, because it it's just interesting to hear child me talking about it. Because you kind of when you go in the regression, you do 
kind of some people at least I do like I regressed a little bit so it was neat to hear me kind of talking in like childlike terms about it you know um but yeah he he came up and he was like oh what's that you're singing your voice is very lovely and I was like oh I'm singing Phantom of the Opera and you know me being precocious gifted child was like I I memorized the whole libretto in third grade I can sing the whole thing like do you know the musical like you know the book was better but she I'm sad that she didn't end up with Eric like this is me as a child you know <laughs> still me now um, and, and he was like, you know, I could see he was kind of amused and he was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with Weber's version of the musical and like, yeah, like, you know, uh, yeah, I did know that. I did know that the book was different. And he was like, um, you know, I sing too when I'm lonely. Are you lonely? Why are you by yourself? And I was like, I tried, I kind of wanted to explain it, but like, it was hard. And I was just like, well, you know, the other kids don't really like me. Cause you know, you're, you don't want to admit to an adult, like, Hey, they're bullying me. You know, you kind of try to protect yourself. But I got a question. How old yeah. were you at this point in 1997? Oh, I'm sorry. I was nine. I was nine years old. Okay. So, okay. Oh, and actually yeah, at that just... point I could have been eight depending because it was before. No, no, no. I still would have been nine. Cause I turned 10 that year on my birthday. So you were born in 89. Uh, no, I was born in 88. So wait, so would that make me eight? So I was eight. Well, I'm, I was born in 80. So I'm 43. So I know, okay. that's why I was wondering if you were like yeah. close to the same <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I was born in 88. So whatever the math yeah. is on that. I tried to talk it out with my mom to figure out exact ages because I'm terrible at age. And I was like, I don't know exact, but I'm pretty sure I was nine based on what she told me. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I don't know. Um if my math is wrong, please, anyone listening, let me know <laughs> and be like, no, it's, you were it's eight. perfectly fine. Like it's, it's it, I, I, I understand because like, it's hard to, like, like I said, again, it's hard to remember these things from being a kid, you know, it's like, it's so it's, I think it's very, it's like one of the hardest things to do is memory. I don't know what happens to our memory as we get older, but it just kind of just goes away. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It, it, or it's like, it's very tied to certain emotions or sensations. Like music for me is my biggest thing. Like if there's music involved, I'm more likely to remember things better. But if there's not music involved, pretty much my brain just lets it go. It's like, this isn't important anymore. You don't need this. It's like, okay. You know, one, you know. one thing I've noticed, and I'd love to share this with you. I think it's, mm. it's interesting. It's like, I think a lot of experiencers are creative like yourself or, or like me. Like, you know, a lot of people are, they're into art or music or um, you know, like all, all kinds of creative things. Like I've noticed yeah. that maybe it's because their mind is more open. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's that we're more open or is there something about the fact that the way our brains work is more attractive to these entities or are we just able to communicate or see them better because of how our brains work? Like it's, it's, there's a lot of questions yeah. we just don't have answers to. I'm hoping that's the kind of stuff that science will continue to uncover and like, we'll actually get some answers someday, you know? Um, but for now it's just kind of a big, oh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so Entity uh, talking to me, you know, he seems kind of amused. He's like, yeah, you know, are you lonely? And so I was kind of like trying to make excuses. Like, oh, the other kids just don't like me. But it was almost like he snapped the images from my head. That's the best way I can describe it. It was like I suddenly was picturing this time when I was sitting at one of the big long lunch tables and there were three tables between me and the rest of the school, like even the eighth graders, like everybody sat on the other side because they just like left me by myself. And like, uh, there was another time where like, you know, the kids were like pushing me over on the playground, like into the dirt, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And so like, I was just replaying that in my head, but it was like, he just like pulled it from my head and it only took a second and he just got like images like flash. Okay. And he just was kind of like, oh, that strikes me as very lonely and very sad. And I was like, oh, I never saw it as sad. You know, just me trying to <laughs> like, I never saw it as sad, but I was like, yeah, no, that is really sad. And he was like, well, um, 
I don't, you know, and I wrote this, I wrote everything down and I really, I like to try and keep his phrasing exact because I just think his phrasing is so interesting, but like, I'm just going to paraphrase it. But basically he said uh, to the effect of like, well, would you want to come like with me? Like, you know, like, do you want me to be your friend? And it wasn't weird for me to have adult friends. That sounds really weird now, but like my mom, um, you know, we, we hung out with a lot of, she was very Catholic. So we hung out with a lot of church people and like choir people who were older. And I was used to that. And like, um, I just didn't, I didn't get along as well with my peers. Cause I just, I don't know. Like I just, I preferred to sit in a corner and read. I wasn't very social. Like I didn't know about like Pokemon back then. Like I was very, pretty sheltered. So, um, you know, it wasn't weird for me to be like, yeah, sure. Like I'll be your friend, adult person, like whatever. Like, you know, like, yeah, I'll be your, I'll, you know, sure. That'd be great. And he was like, do you, how did he phrase it? He said like, do you want to see the stars? Like, didn't you want to be an astronaut? And I didn't question how he knew that. But a year before, I had seen Story Musgrave speak at a science fair in Maryland. And like, you know, I did. I really wanted to be an astronaut. But because of my bad vision, I just didn't think I could do it. And so, but, you know, I'm just like, yeah, you know, I've, I've always wanted to do that. And I just, again, no question. How did he know that? No, nah, didn't, didn't matter. Just didn't occur to me to ask. Um, and so he said, well, would you come with me? And he held out a hand to me. And I hesitated and it wasn't from like fear or like, oh God, this guy's trying to take me away. It was just a, it was just a, I thought about it and I was like, you know, I really have to finish my school day. My mom would be really mad if I skipped school. And so he's like, I'll come for you another day. And I was like, okay. And he pretty much just was gone. Like, I don't remember them walking away. I don't remember them leaving. It was just like, they were just gone. And something had told me that there was something behind the school building in front of me and I don't know how I knew that. And I kind of gasped at myself like, that's silly. There's just fields in the woods back there. Like there's nothing back there. But I remember seeing a flash of something silver. And then a second later, I suddenly was like scared. And I was like, oh God, I want to be with the other kids. Like I didn't want to be alone anymore. Something like freaked me out. And so I just like got up and left and went over to with the other kids. And I completely forgot about this interaction entirely. I did not remember it at all. Do you, I have a question. Do you think yeah. that that was like your psychic senses going off? Do you think that like maybe you're open to a, like a plethora of things like that? Like, cause I feel like sometimes people can be portals. Okay. So what I'm trying to say mm. is like, maybe like your entity wasn't there anymore. Maybe something negative was trying to oh. attach to you. Like you never know. I didn't right? even think of that. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I didn't even consider that either. Um, I don't know. I think it was more just that the spell was broken in a weird way. Like whatever, stillness quiet had fallen over the situation that i didn't even hear the other kids playing they didn't hear whatever was going on like that was gone and he was gone and whatever psychic hold we had was done so now i was free to suddenly be like what just happened that was weird like you know i don't want to be here anymore like you know um yeah. that's how i always took it but um that's interesting yeah i don't know um but so anyway the reason i bring that up is because it seems important to me because it to me it seems like it's the moment that i gave conscious permission without realizing what that i did so skip ahead now to the day of stillness when the bus dropped me off at a different spot and i'm running from something that i can't see and again this is from what fiona and i have gone through with regression uh i feel frozen suddenly in place like i can't move it's almost like I was paralyzed. And then a second later, I describe it as that moment when you go over the top of a roller coaster and you're looking down at the drop below you. It was like I was suddenly there, but I didn't feel like the inertia or anything like that. I was just, I'm in the air. And then I blacked out. That was it. Um, yeah. When I, when I woke, 
I was on the ship or wherever I was. Because again, I don't know if this is a ship or not because I never physically saw it because I refused to look at it as a child. Still my biggest regret to this day. Why didn't I look? I don't know. Um, still mad. <laughs> but uh, I woke up and I described this room as the mezzanine as a kid. I don't know why that that comes to me, but it's basically like a very wide open space. And it kind of reminded me of an office building and that there are like layers going up. I remember at least like five layers and like half walls all the way around, like the edge of each one going up. So, you know, I was lying on a table, I was naked and there was like a light, like shining in my face. Like you're at a doctor's office. Like I couldn't see past the light practically. So I'm like squinting. I'm also, I feel very out of it. My body feels frozen, but I can kind of move my head a little bit. So I kind of turned my head to look to the left and there was a guy there who was like in his forties probably also naked, you know, graying hair. And I was immediately embarrassed because, you know, I'm nine years old and there's a naked guy over there. So I like turned my head back. So I'm like, I don't need to see whatever that is. So like, I don't want to look over there. Um, oh my and... God. The, <laughs> you know, the, that's uh, so, what, what, were you both on a table? Were you, yeah, or like, he was on, was a, he was on his own table, like in another spot. And there are what I thought was like children, but then I realized like they're not children. They're just gray, small beings with big almond shaped black eyes, barely any nose, barely any mouth. And they're just like going about doing their like thing, like medical assistance kind of a thing. Like, like they, they were all very busy. The, the description for that I gave to Fiona of this whole place was it was extremely busy. Like everybody who was there had a function. That's the word that they, they even gave to me, a function, a purpose. Like there was something that had to get done. They were going to get it done. Nothing was going to interrupt them. Like nobody's like tootling along. Like, you know, like everybody's doing something. Um, this, this, this is, this is amazing. Can I, yeah. can I interject? Yeah, like, sure. I'll just tell you, if you, if you look at the work of uh, David Jacobs, who was like a, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's an abduction him, researcher. Yes. And well, yeah, when he was on the Art Bell show, he said the exact same thing. He was like, he was really? like, you know, like when, when these, they, he's like, this goes like this hybridization thing goes on day and night, you know, and, and he wow. said, everybody on the, the UFO has a function and they, they just are busy nonstop. So like, that's weird wording. that we kind of that's got those weird. like conclusions, you know, yeah, I think that's I interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, no, I didn't even think of that. Um, So there, there's like partitions, so I can't see everything that's going on in this room. But the main thing is, while I'm on this table, this other tall being comes up, seven, maybe eight feet tall, very tall, very big. Um, at the time, and for years, my brain told me it was a boxy white astronaut suit with a mirrored helmet because my brain refused to accept what I was seeing. And for years, I said that. And it wasn't until I worked with Fiona that like we totally uncovered it and was like oh no like this is actually like what we would call a mantid being of some kind like definitely yeah. mantid but but the coloration was off and i don't know you know i've kind of on purpose not done a lot of research into specific stories like certain cases i have but like i'm, I'm trying not to because i don't want it to taint what i know like i just want to stick with what i know for now and then like as time goes on i'll start doing more research but um yeah. as far as i know I don't know if other people describe the coloration as weird, but for me, the coloration was not like a typical, like bright green mantis. Like we see in America, like North America, it was not, it was not that it was like almost like a darker color. Um, but he was, I call him the mentor. I still call him the mentor. I don't know why I call him that. Um, 
he he his personality is very much like the most non-human i think i've ever met like just very cold like the worst bedside manner you could ever have as a doctor like just like no emotions no like morality like we have like just very like to the point like i i can't yeah but like he walked up and uh was pretty much like be still because i guess i was moving and he wasn't expecting me to be awake um and he holds this metal thing up to my nose. I don't remember if it went up my nose or not because it happened so fast. It was like he held a metal thing up to my nose and I just felt a really sharp pain, like really high up and then it was gone. And uh, one of the grays that was there was actually reaching up and was touching, I don't know if you can see on camera. There's no, there's a mole like right behind my ear. And for some reason it was like checking that spot and then it kind of like nodded to the mantid being and the mantid being was like, we're done here, take her. Like just no, like so nothing, nothing, like, nothing, nothing, um, nothing hybridization wise. Like they didn't take eggs at that point or anything no, like that. Not no, and and to be honest, I haven't had any memories with that. And I, not to say that that didn't happen, especially reading some of my childhood dreams and things. It it may have, but like at this point, I have no confirmation of any of that. So like I don't, I don't know that that's what happened. Yeah. Or well, that that's happened. the reason why I say this because they do that day and night, or they they have you know they <laughs> they past. just like. They, they constantly, they're taking like, you know, genetic, I'll just put it to be in the, the nice way, they take genetic yeah. materials from men and women all the time, you know? Yeah, as far as I know, not that I know of, but I can't say for sure, so who knows. Um, okay. I am shuffled off of this table by a bunch of, I, I mean, I'll just call them greys, because they were greys, like that's, you know, the short greys. Um, it's almost like they kind of like surrounded me and bustled me off. So I didn't have a chance to do anything. I'm just like, wait, 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 you know, and they just bustle me off to another area and uh, they start like redressing me. The only things they didn't give me back, they didn't give me back my shoes. They didn't give me back my blazer or my backpack. Those were not visible or present at the time. Um, so they got me into my underwear and my blouse and my skirt. But they, the thing was they tried to get my... Um, the, the weird like weird thing was they tried to get my um, stockings on. They were like thick cotton stockings and they couldn't figure out how to do it and they were doing it wrong. So I was just like, nope, I'm going to do this. And I just did it because I was like, you're not doing it right. Um, yeah. And they, they kept moving me. Like it's almost like being on a people mover, but like of beings, like pushing you forward. Like, go, okay, go, you know. And they pushed me to the edge of this hallway and there was a man standing there. Six foot two, piercing blue eyes, uh, molded black suit molded completely to his body similar to the other jumpsuit i remember vaguely there being some kind of cape or like collar or robe or something kind of on him like i don't really remember what um but he and he i saw the shoes this time he was wearing black boots um the difference is he had short black cropped hair and he was wearing eyeliner my brain did not recall the previous everything that had happened with the conversation at the swing set. So I didn't put two and two together that this is the same guy. I did not put that together at all. Um, why his appearance changed, I have theories for that, but that's like a later thing. Um, but I was just like, all right, who is this person? And he was just, he was also very brusque and he seemed annoyed. And I thought he was annoyed at me, but in hindsight and talking with Fiona, I think he was annoyed at the mantid being, not me, because he was always annoyed at him. They always, they do not, they do not get along um for whatever reason i don't know <laughs> but um he basically was like my name is demetrius come with me and he pretty much like grabs me by the arm and starts pulling me down the hallway and 
I was like, just trying to be like, I just want to go home. Please let me go home. Like, you know, like I was freaked out at this point. I didn't know what was going on. Um, and you know, I kind of realized that he was talking to me just like the other beings. He was talking to me in my head and that freaked me out. And I also realized I could respond back in his head, like, you know, which freaked me out even more. Cause I was like, I don't know how I'm doing this, you know? Um, and I was like, I guess starting to panic or something. And so he kind of just turned and looked at me and he was like, all right, be still calm down, pay attention and look. And I was like, huh? Like, you know, and, and pretty much all my fear, anything that was going on, just like, boop, it was gone. Um, and he draws my attention to this area, which I would call like a lowered, like um, in American houses, ranch style houses have like two steps and a drop down room. What would that be called? A sunken living room or something like that? Like, I don't, yeah, know, something if like other, I don't know if other countries have this. So if any international listeners are listening, I don't know if you're going to know what I'm talking about. But basically it was like a sunken room off of this hallway, like two steps, uh, almost like a padded soft floor. And there was a huge bay window in there, but for whatever reason, it was shuttered closed. There were metal shutters keeping it closed. I couldn't see outside of it. And I don't know if that was for not to freak me out or like there's a reason it was blocked or whatever, but it was blocked. On the floor in the middle of this room, there are five beings sitting in a circle. They look like similar to the other gray beings, except they have no face, which also freaked me out a little bit because I was like, what the heck? Um, they're sitting kind of Lotus style in this circle and, uh, they all moved as one, like they all moved at the same time. They did not move separately. Like, you know, if somebody was looking in a direction, all their heads would turn. Like it was like kind of creepy. Um, you in the think they might've been robots and they haven't maybe aren't finished yet. Yeah. I think that they were, uh, I got the impression that they were there to assist or were assistants or were like to teach the game, but not to necessarily be people so like i'm not even sure if they were beings like fully living that's beings. fascinating that is yeah. fascinating that is um, that's amazing yeah it's 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 interesting and i i just it's it's a weird thing that i'm like i don't know what that is but um anyway so you they're know, sitting it they're makes sitting. me think like while we're talking about this it makes me think like where are these things coming from like where where do these things come from it's a, they're amazing like i i think about this all the time when i talk to experiences like yourself yeah. like, i don't know if they're coming from another planet or if there's other dimensions and maybe there's an entity next to me right now but yeah, i can't knows? see him because i don't see that you well, know it's very strange right it's yeah, like, I mean, gary, I nolan would tell know. That. gary nolan would say we have a shadow universe around us at all times i mean that's kind of stuff that he's trying to talk about right now so who knows who knows what's going on but um hopefully again this is all stuff that we'll find out with time um but yeah, so these beings are sitting and, and there's an opening because there's five of them. So there's an opening right in front of me, like as if you're expected to go sit there, you know, in the center of this circle, there is a metal thing that I kind of describe as if you could see the inside of an Etch-A-Sketch or like those toys when you and I were kids, you could put your hand in it and it would keep the shape. It was like those metal toys you know what i'm talking about but it was like the inside of that so it was like there were all these like tiny metal pieces that were apart and they would shift and go together and come apart again and like change shape um but they were painted blue so like they would be blue whatever the shape was that they would make um and the the, the one that they were trying to do was a was it was a round blue ball Hence the inner child thing connecting back that's what reminded me of this kind of brought all this forward um but the the 
they would sit in a circle and, and he tried to explain it to me. So Demetrius is next to me. He's trying to explain it to me, but he's not using words. It's like he tried to download a zip file into my head. That's the best way I can describe it. It's like this information just came into my head in like a stack of like pictures and information of what I was supposed to do. But I'm also physically watching the game happen. So I, I don't get it. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. Like, I don't get this. And he's getting frustrated. Now he is frustrated at me because he's like, He's like, you've done this before. Oh, that's what I forgot to tell in the last interview I did. But yeah, it was like, he was like, you've done this before. And I was like, what do you mean? And and he was just like, Guinevere. And I'm like, my name isn't Guinevere. Although interestingly enough, it did become my confirmation name a few years later. Um, but, you know, he's like, Guinevere. And I'm just like, that's not my name. And he's like, look, like, you've done this before. You don't know your potential. You don't know your potential. You don't understand, like, what you are. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And... Uh, he's getting obviously like visibly frustrated. And so I didn't know, but at some point this other gray being is there. She's taller than the others. Um, it was a she. It was a she. I sensed she. I sensed female, matronly, kind, warmth oh, well, from her. That is the vibe I get from her. Um, and That's interesting. She, she had been there the whole time, but like, I didn't know that she was there. Like, I guess she followed us down the hallway. Like, I don't know when she showed up because I just was so focused on everything else. But she kind of comes forward and touches him on the arm. And she says, like, again, this is all telepathy, but she says, Exilia. And I don't know if that was his name, a title, a word that means something, but I've heard this in context with him before. So I'm thinking maybe title. I don't know. But she's like, Exilia. And he just, like, steps back, like, all right, fine. And she comes up to me and she's like, I'm going to explain it to you. And I don't remember her telling me in words, but whatever she did, I got it. And I was like, oh, I get how to play now. So I go and I sit down with these this circle. And the best way I can describe this game is the object is to keep the metal pieces as a whole piece, like as a, as a ball, as a solid ball. And they would pass it to one another and do what I call a telepathic knock. I call it a knock. I don't know what other people would call it, but it's basically like you get this feeling in your head of the take this and you're like okay and then you take it but the key is to not let go before the other person has taken it because if you let go too soon the whole thing shatters into metal pieces on the floor and then the gray woman has to pick it up again and reform it and then everybody starts again kind of a thing um and and you know everybody's watching it move as one you're all moving kind of as one to watch where it's going and to kind of like pass it from one person to another and like there's no there's no like exact like you pass it to this person now or this person it's just kind of random it's it's like if you were playing a game with people it's, it's it was randomized but um i i started Emily, you're doing this all with your head right you're doing yes. this all telepathically and i don't know how because if you ask me to do it now like if you're sitting here oh make it float nope uh-uh sorry i can't i don't know how yeah. i did it like you know it's just not <laughs> um but i was doing it then and I, you know, I, I didn't get it at first. And there was a couple times where it fell into a bunch of pieces and the gray lady had to like fix it again. And I was like, sorry, you know, <laughs> um, but I eventually got it and I was starting to do it pretty like quickly. Like, you know, I was getting the hang of it and I got this vibe or this feeling of like pride or contentment. And so I kind of like turned my head to look and Demetrius was watching the game and he definitely had that look on his face of like, you know, he's kind of smirking, like he's happy. And pre-adolescent me has that like moment where my heart kind of skips a beat because this handsome guy is watching me do this and is proud of me. And so, you know, you're kind of like, oh, yay, you know, whatever. The minute that that happened, like the minute that my heart rate changed, his eyes snapped from the game to me, like, boom. And I was just like, oh, crap. Like, and I thought I was in trouble or something, you know. 
And I get this flash and I don't know if it was that he was vulnerable or like, you know, I caught him by surprise. So like I had this flash of two things. The first one being, uh, that's not my function. But I also got the impression that he was saying that to someone else, not to me. Like, that's not my function. And then the second one was people or humans. I don't know. Don't look at me like that. Like, that's weird. They don't look at me like that. And then it was almost like it just completely shut off. And I didn't, I didn't get anything else. It was like, boop, done. And so he's really quiet. And I'm like, the ball is still kind of going behind me. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, very slow and very calculating. He's like, do you find me attractive? And the ball behind me just shatters because I'm not able to hold control over it anymore because this is like a full grown man asking me this and this is like terrifying because I'm nine. I'm like, uh, you know, so I was like, yes, you know, um, and he was like, someday I will be much more to you. But for now, I am just your friend. And I was like, OK, that's good, because like, you know, I was freaked out, whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it just struck me as kind of like an odd thing. Now, here is where there's a gap that I don't know what happened or like there, I still haven't been able to recover it. Like, as you know, bits and pieces is like the, the bane of, of experiencers existence. We can't remember straight through most of the time. So it's just there's a piece that I don't know what happened here. But uh, he took me to what I would describe as a flight deck but it was a really dark room, which was interesting because I would have thought it would have been like brightly lit and like lots of instrumentation panels. And there were like a lot of like lights and things like, but mainly it was a chair with these half moon like arms around them that I thought were glass, but I also got the impression they were some kind of like crystal. Like, I don't know what they were, but there were these half moons and then there were golden symbols like glyphs on them. Um, but the golden symbols almost seemed to, they were either embossed or they were like floating above the surface of the crystal. It was, it was really odd. So he's talking to me about this and he's like, oh, um, that one there. And it was like the second one on the right. He's like, that one is the emergency stop, which you'll need to pay attention to if you're going to fly. And I was like, I can't fly. Like I have really bad eyesight. Like I couldn't do that. Like I, I'm never going to be able to do that. And he just starts laughing and I, like, he's like laughing for like an absurdly long time. And I'm like, why is this funny to you? Like, I just didn't get it. And I still don't get it. Like, I don't know what the secret is, but whatever it was, he was just like, no, no, no. Like, you don't I think it's because like, he, he expects you to be flying the ship with your mind. That's what I think too now. And now in hindsight, I'm like, that may be what it was. Yeah, because a friend of mine the other day was like, maybe they fly their ships psychically, which would make so much sense why like some of these solid sphere ones and stuff that we can't see into them or like they can't see out technically, like maybe they're just using their mind. And I was like, Oh, that's a good point. Never thought of that. You know? So anyway, yeah. Some so people he, say that they think funny. the ship's conscious, like the ship has a, they say that, that the UFO itself has a consciousness. And sometimes. maybe it does like, you know, this is all the stuff I'm hoping that will come out soon, you know, in, in the years to come. But um, yeah, the, so he starts laughing and then pretty much how this ends is he he was going to start like explaining more to me about what he meant but the door opens and the mentor manted being walks back in and he's like axilia what are you doing we don't have time for this and he's like i'm teaching her like you told me to do and he's like we've wasted too much time she's been gone too long we have to get her back and he just walks up to me and he's carrying a syringe with like yellow liquid in it and i'm like freaked out because i'm like what is that and, uh, you know, Demetrius is kind of like, it'll be okay. Everything will be as right as rain, okay? And I'm like, okay. And this guy, the other, the manted guy, like, puts it in my neck and I black out. 
I don't remember anything. Next thing I know, I'm waking up, running to my front door, and like, um, the, oh, I forgot to mention the battlefield sounds too. Like, like even in the first memory, I heard like battlefield noises, and I didn't know what that was, and it was really weird. And um, we think like talking with Fiona and my other hypnotherapist, we have a feeling that because of my like psychic abilities, maybe I was tapping into like a time slip. Because again, this is an area that's known historically to have a lot of battles and things like that. So I was like, maybe I was just hearing that because there was some kind of time distortion on my way back but anyway i hear that and i'm running up to my front door and i forget everything that just happened i don't remember any of it until we go into it with hypnotic regression but yeah so that's wow. that's 1997 <laughs> for me anyway now, now this is we're gonna have to do a part two because we've been, we've been going 50 minutes and i have to do another yeah. show in 10 minutes but I um i was gonna say like um where did you want to go next did you want to um I mean, we can have you back on to talk about your experiences. Did you want to talk real quick about the UFO hearing, what you thought about it? Because I oh, felt like right. it was a big nothing burger. Like, I felt like they're not giving us anything. I think, I think he's trying, you know, Kirkpatrick's trying really hard to get funding. And so he has to kind of play to both sides. So I kind of see that. But, um, you know, I, I Who's also, Kirkpatrick? Oh, he's the head of the DOD. He's the one who who is kind of was at the hearing, like, kind of talking about the program. He's the one who's running Arrow. Um, okay. And he, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think he's just a very scientific man. He's what we would call a nuts and bolts UFO guy, but I'm okay with yeah. it because I think what he's trying to say is he is trying to eliminate everything that is has a normal explanation so that he can just get to the weird stuff. Because I think a lot of people were reading that as like, an, oh, he's trying to like shove it off on other people. It's like, no, no, literally, he's just trying to get rid of all the things that are explainable because he just wants to get to the weird stuff. And I actually thought it was really funny how much he uh, is starting to physically look like uh, the original, like, Heineck, you know, the original, like, Project Blue Book guy. <laughs> he looks a lot like him. I was yeah. like, that's funny. But no, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, where was I going to go with that? I, I just feel like they don't want to, I, I think I can quote Dave Scott from Space Out Radio. He said this, he said that these people in the government, they don't want to include the stories of people like yourself, the no. experiencer. And that's the important thing. I think that's a link to like what's going on here. Like I think if we start to – that's why I like to have people like you on my show. Like Because if we can understand the experiencer, maybe we get a better understanding of what's actually going on. To just study yeah. nuts and bolts UFOs isn't going to get us anywhere because what are we going to even find out? You know what I mean? I mean, there's yeah. probably a lot we can find out about propulsion, but I have a feeling I know they already know that. And they have that there's some factions of the government that have reverse engineered craft, if not let alone a whole secret space program that they're hiding from us, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a very, it's a conundrum we're in, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we're all going to find out together as this is going and it's it's frustrating. It can be frustrating, but I do I do see that there have been a lot of strides made. And I will say, uh, take it or leave it, Chris Bledsoe's story. I just started reading the book. It's very interesting. I actually see some parallels with stuff that's happened to him that's happened to me, which I thought was weird. Um, but but he is somebody who the government actually really likes and is supporting as an experiencer. And so that that's hopeful to me because I'm like, all right, if he's somebody that they can trust for whatever, like it, it fits their narrative of what they want. Like maybe if, if disclosure has to happen this way, like I'm okay with it as long as experiencers start to be trusted and listened to. And that's, that's what's important to me. And, you know, I could be wrong. Like my memory could be faulty. I don't know, but like, how will I know until somebody starts to investigate these things? You know, I just know 
what I'm experiencing. And that's my, you know, that's my reality. And I think that it's important that we, we just take that into account as we like go on and, and listen to what people have to say and be like, you know, maybe there's something to this. So we'll find out. I agree. I agree. Well, I mean, do you want to, we can do a part two. Do you want to, uh, one thing we didn't cover real quick was your music. Like, oh yeah. how, how does this, how has this influenced your music career and how do you feel like that's going on? Yeah. So more recently I have definitely like, and again, we'll talk about this in future, but I'm pretty sure that I'm still in contact with the same entity um, because I, I still have these extremely vivid, strange dreams, which we can get into next time. Um, but I, this album that I'm working on, um, which I do have like two demos done for, um, basically is going to be about what it is to be an experiencer. Um, and I feel like a lot of the, the details and the things that have happened, and I would say even some of the musical part of it, I feel like has come from my connection with this entity. Um, and so I kind of, I'm excited to like share that with other experiencers because I do feel like there is an aspect of it that they will understand. However, even if you're not an experiencer or you're, you know, you don't even fully believe this stuff, people can just listen to this as music and buy it as music. And like, that's cool too. I'm fine with that. <laughs> like, you know, but it, I think the, the point is I'm trying to put it out there so that other experiencers know that they're not alone, which is the important thing. I, I like that. I like that. Well, um, can you uh, tell everybody, um, I definitely want to have you back on. I think this will be yeah. a regular thing. Like Yay. you can come on like <laughs> more than one, like a couple times, you know, like I think, you know, like I think that's what it's going to be. So, just for now, can you tell everybody where to find you and uh, if you want to be found? And um, oh yeah, and, and yeah, thank you. Yeah, oh no, thank and thank you for having me on here. And it's uh, definitely look forward to coming back and talking more about it. Just like what's been going on since 1997, because there's a lot. Um, but yeah, if people want to find me, uh, my Instagram is fully uh, Persephone May Holloway. So that's you know Persephone, like like the. Greek story, you know, Persephone May, M-A-E, Holloway, H-O-L-L-O-W-A-Y. That's for the benefit of people who are listening versus, you know, <laughs> watching. Um, but yeah, Persephone May Holloway uh, is my Instagram. And that's pretty much where I'm putting most of my stuff right now. I just started releasing music onto Spotify, but they there's like a long process for them to approve things. So my music is still in approval. So most of it hasn't come out yet. Now, that is not my experience or stuff. That's just my normal like music that I've written over the years that I'm finally just kind of releasing and putting out there. So but that should be out. And then, you know, hopefully we'll get to play some of the demos in the future and, and hear that and see what people think. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And if you have links for your music, you can send me them and I'll put them in the, um, in the description, you know, like, oh, awesome. yeah. um, and, and, and also next time I think what we can do is like we can use zoom and I can share a screen and, and actually play some of your music. Um, I didn't think about doing that this time because I was trying, I wanted to get your story together. So like, right. you know, but I definitely want to play some of your music on air next time we do this. I just, you just yeah. have to remind me like, you know, I like, will, I will. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Cause for, cause I, I just want to see what other experiencers think. Cause so far the feedback I've had from them is they really feel something listening to it and it, it, they connect with it and that's important to me. So like, yeah, I'm, I'd definitely be curious to hear that. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I'll send you a link when I post it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And you know, again, thanks for having me here and uh, letting me tell my story.